Hello, everyone. That's a better intro than last time. Hello, welcome to the 14th episode of the Digital Century Podcast as I adjust my mic as always. My name, as always, still is Jeff. And and this is Dom over here, guys. And, welcome. And yeah. wow, already 14 episodes? I thought we were on 13. We are on four. No, 13 was the last one. Oh, okay. Technically, we're at 15, but we don't talk about one of them. Um... <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're here with episode 14. It feels like it's been a long time, like yeah, which it has, because the show used to be like bi-weekly, and then we've started to try and do weekly, but lately it's been bi-weekly again, which we apologize for, but life happens. We don't do this as a full-time job. Um, so yeah, but 14 episodes in. I think we started back in July? Sounds about right. July yeah, or August? Summer. I think we created the project, or at least we talked about it in July. Uh, but this episode, we're going to be experimenting with some different camera angles. Uh, we wanted to switch it up, maybe try a few different things. So, uh, for instance, my angle is now right there, a little bit different than uh, than before. And then uh, let's take a look at Dom's pretty face. Look at look at that, obscured by the microphone. Perfect. Um, there you go. Does this work? <laughs> that that there you go. Okay. Perfect. Um, so yeah, bear with us as always as we try new things. Um, this episode will not be a Star Wars-centric episode as past ones have been. It's going to include a lot of Disney stuff because there's been some relevant things that have that have been said. But for the most part, um, it'll be pretty pretty general. So, But still mostly Star Wars stuff. Still, I mean, hey, we're, we're nerds. Uh, so the, the first thing that we're going to talk about is kind of a comment or um, reflecting back to something that we said in the the last episode um the last episode we talked about how uh martin scorsese mentioned how uh marvel films are not cinema mm. and that was uh, that was a big deal and we we expressed our opinions and our thoughts on it kind of coming to the conclusion that it's just an opinion and we don't really care and also maybe he and that generation just don't understand mm. you know like there's a generational gap there uh However, uh, Scorsese has come out with um, an op-ed on the New York Times, I believe, mm-hmm. um, which we have both read, right, Dom? Yes, I read it. You read it. Um, and he kind of gives his thoughts on it, like dives deeper as to why he said the things he said. And I think it's kind of good to talk about that. Generally, he's, he said that uh, it was just his opinion, you know, which is kind of fair. And that's kind of what we touched on. It's just his opinion. Uh, but he kind of went deeper into like kind of like the definition of cinema and like what films were and maybe like why something would be considered cinema and why it wouldn't be considered cinema. Mm -hmm. Overall, I I thought it was a great opinion piece and I think it really, I don't know, it it cleared things up is the right term, but it definitely kind of explained his thoughts a little bit, you know? Yeah, like reading that article, it does shed some uh, a clear light on his opinion of the superhero genre and what he thinks cinema is it's more of a like an artistic expression as he put in his own words i just think that the time the article came out was a little too late because when he first made the original comments the second time he made a comment he literally said oh that they're invading cinema like it almost has like this derogatory feeling in that in that sentence so that's where a lot of people got upset we you know, films, food, no matter, you know, everyone's taste is different. That's why film, people say it's very subjective. And that's fine. I just think if this article would have came out first, that would have been much, much better. 
Um, but you know, he, 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 he's very insightful. He, he worded very nicely. Um, I just think it came out a little too late. It, it, this should have been the first thing he said as opposed to the third thing. I think he, I think the way that he stated his opinion initially on Marvel films probably could have been communicated a bit better, right? Saying that it is um, an invasion on cinema, maybe it's a bit drastic of a a thing to say, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he meant it in that way. Because I think in the article, he kind of goes into like, well, here's what cinema is and here's why I said that. And it was basically like, now it is kind of all about these big budget franchise films. And he acknowledges that there are tons of talented individuals that spend many hours on these yeah. things and so it doesn't discredit that um but also that it is about franchising it's about um there's not a lot of risk there right a- as much so like for instance um iron man 2 right you know iron man's not gonna die like they have a whole franchise lined up here they have a whole line of movies ready right. so nothing bad's gonna happen to the hero and it's kind of like the same repeat story so i totally get where he's coming from versus like the one-off films right like the shining mm-hmm. um where it's like you don't know what's gonna happen everything's new um but it's hard to come by that stuff nowadays and you know studios don't always want to fund that stuff because there's not a long-term uh, money-making machine there it's like a one-off thing and then that's it um and so I, I I really get where he's coming from, and it kind of changed my opinion. Like I kind of see um, what he was saying initially, and I don't entirely disagree. I just think it could have been worded a little, probably a lot better than it was initially. To anyway, right? Uh, but yeah, you know, he he talks a bit a little bit about franchise films, and I think he mentioned something about the average Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. Like I think he reference them as possibly being like their own franchise like an argument could be said because alfred hitchcock had a very unique way of making movies and there were more about suspense thrillers like psycho the birds um which i really liked the birds i I saw it as a kid growing up actually and kind of freaked me out the first time i saw it but you know this whole idea of franchise films doesn't really come into like i want to say maybe the 70s when george lucas comes in with star wars um and, you know, say what you want about franchise movies, Star Wars, superhero movies, whatnot. Yeah, they're not one-offs. But now look at, if you look at the the top 10 highest grossing films of all time, they're all franchise films. They're all superhero or some sort of nerdy thing. Uh, I think Force Awakens, Star Wars is still the highest um, domestic opening or something like that in uh, in the U.S., you know, but all these movies have hit a billion dollars, and uh, to what you're saying, yeah, that you know, these movies can they have a proven track record now of having this long term investment and uh, getting your money back like two or three times over. Um, so it kind of goes to show you, yes, they're not cinema in terms of like maybe this perfect artistic expression where you can have a lot of stuff, which is how you visually tell the story, and on uh, also as audio. But look at these movies are making a lot of money. They're definitely getting people's attention, and they're all, they're a unique piece within themselves. So there's still a good thing about them to to a degree. Yeah, I would I would say it, it's very much like people are still enjoying these things. Like people do still get emotional about it. I mean, Avengers Endgame. I mean, everyone just even uh, Infinity War, right? Mm-hmm. Like people got genuinely emotional about that stuff. And so I think, excuse me, um, I think they're still great. I. I understand where he's coming from i slightly disagree i but understand right like mm-hmm. he he does kind of have a point there um 
a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. When it comes to the Avengers films, I think, oh man, like it, it's it's an amazing feat to try to pull off, especially over ten years of these films. You're telling like this overarching story of with all these characters, and this is like Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame has been the biggest mashup of superheroes on film, you know, in in history. And seeing all these individual character arcs, you know, the character development, you know, I still say to this day, like, Captain America is my favorite Avenger, just because I feel like on screen, he has some of the biggest challenges, and, like, his ideals as, a, as an individual, you know, it's, he's constantly being challenged uh, by the world around him, you know, like, what I'm trying to get at is that these films are still crafty in their in their expression. They still get down to like developing these characters, their emotions, their, their motives. Um, the some of the villains like Loki, he's a multi-dimensional villain. He's not just a villain for the sake of being a villain. He he's multi-layered. He has a troubled past. He lived in his brother's shadow, and he that allows him to become the what he ultimately becomes in the first few Avenger movies, and then he makes a redemption by the end of it. So these movies, yes, they're a franchise, but they still hit the core of like proper character development over a long period of time. Yeah, he does. So I'm going to read this part from it. Kind of goes into that a little bit. But um, he says, uh, they are sequels in name, but they are remakes in spirit, and everything in them is officially sanctioned because it really can't be any other way. Yeah. That's the nature of modern film franchises. Market researched, audience tested, vetted, modified, revetted, and remodified until they're ready for consumption. So essentially, it's like these films are so processed and so it's a machine, basically, right? Versus maybe someone like, you know, like Hitchcock, right? Or scorsese where it's much more about the art and about everything else there you know so i i get that point but i also agree with you on that they still hit those emotional beats and they still like they still matter you know like yeah and it's a generational thing you know we keep saying that because you look at the you know what film was barely around like what 100 years not even 130 years i think at this point and it's just a thing where people initially thought like, oh, wow, like you're not really going to make a lot of money with it. And it's slowly over the decades just expanded. You know, theaters started popping up and it was a certain style of filmmaking, cinemas, film, filmmaking with silent films. Um, and then more about these, you know, projecting yourself like the Charlton Heston, like f- era of movies, John Wayne. Uh, very, very beautiful pieces. But then you start going again, the generation shifts. You get, you know, like Star Trek on the TV screen, and then they made some feature movies. And then you get Star Wars with George Lucas, which revolutionizes, you know, the pop culture genre and even the movie technology. So then you start seeing, over time, the comic books, they start hitting into the modern households, and every generation, it's like a little bit more. A little bit more kids are reading it. So now you get into the early 2000s. Now the pop culture genre hits families. It's a It's a household commodity now, like... It's, you'll be hard-pressed to find a household that doesn't have some sort of pop culture fan in it. So now it's like, let's say you know we hit our 50s and 60s, our kids, grandkids 
are going to be so involved in this thing. So now the the superhero genre may very well be the biggest thing in movies now. So it might very well be switched going forward. It's not about this over like this big cinema pieces. It's more just like the pop culture thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think just kind of final thoughts is um, we have some disagreements with Scorsese and, and that opinion, and that's okay because that's just our opinion. That's just his opinion, and overall, it's just opinions. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know what one person says doesn't mean anything. I, he could say it's cinema. It's not cinema. It doesn't change the enjoyment that we get out of it. And he's not wrong for having that opinion either. It's just it's it's opinion. Because the, the reason I say that is there are people out there that are like, you know, we, there's this whole thing about cancel culture. Oh, you know? God, yes, <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a lot of people trying to, from what I've heard trying to cancel Scorsese, which I think is terrible. Like, just the guy has an opinion that disagrees with yours. That That's fine. He, you know, just, he just has an opinion that don't, it's okay. We ha- we can have different opinions. That's okay. And that's the terrible thing about social media these days where it's like cancel culture. As soon as you say something, you get shut down. Um, you know, everyone gets pissed off about any little thing. You know, you got the cancel culture, you got the social justice warrior movement as well, which is kind of like synonymous with the cancel culture idea. Um, yeah, you know, the movies are subjective. You know, if you love like the pure cinema type of movies, great. They're beautiful pieces of art. You know, like I mentioned last time, I love like the biopic movies, um, theory of everything, um, just some more feel good movies like the intern with Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. That is one of my favorite feel good movies. That is a beautiful movie for me. Like I'll rewatch it probably about once a year and I'll still get a little bit teary eyed by the end of it. Um, but I still love, I'm, I'm a big nerd, you know, I love watching superhero films and it doesn't hit me the same way as those other dramatic pieces, but Hey, they're still very entertaining. Yeah. And that's what matters as long as you enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to talk about the Terminator franchise. Speaking of franchises. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So as everyone, you probably already know, Terminator Dark Fate came out what last weekend and it had... <sighs> A decent opening for any average film, like I think it was like thirty or twenty-nine million dollars opening weekend or thirty-nine million, like that. That is a decent opening for the average movie. So a cinema movie uh, could make that much money opening weekend. You're you're fine. But for a, a movie that had a budget, I think like a hundred and forty million dollars, that's not a good sign for for the franchise. And it it just made. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm just like, man, this franchise has just gone downhill. In the past decade, and I'm just so so disappointed. It it has gone way downhill. It has it was walking down the hill. No, it was going uphill. Right, it was like walking up the stairs and everything's cool. Yeah, and then something happened, and it like sprained its ankle and and fell, and then it tried to get back up, but then it like broke its wrist and fell again. It, you know, it's this franchise is just gone, and it, it's so <laughs> unfortunate because the movie. When Terminator 1 came out, James Cameron directed it, and it apparently was like a low budget, like I think it technically uh, qualified as a B movie, uh, but it wasn't an action movie. It was more like an action thriller, um, you know, because you get this machine from the future, the cinematics, uh, the, the music, the suspense of like what this thing is going to do to the characters, and... I think it was actually Arnold Schwarzenegger's one of like one of his early roles, because he, he was super young in this movie. And then when uh, he did the Terminator 2 Judgment Day, like that was a big hit. It became more of an action film. 
but then what? Terminator Rise of the Machines came out. That movie got some heat. And then Salvation with Christian Bale. That kind of went downhill too. Then you get uh, Terminator Genesis. Was that the next one? Yeah. And then now Dark Fate. It just <laughs> went downhill in terms of numbers. And for me... I think the biggest thing is that they're they're trying to rehash the whole time travel aspect of constantly going back in time and trying to kill like these main characters. I think after Rise of the Machines, they should have just went like what they did with Salvation, just go into the future and have the war. We already know that it, it doesn't work going into the past. Just go fight the war, make it a pure action sequence. I think that's the way the franchise should have gone. But whatever reason, Christian Bale's movie and his supposed trilogy just never really took off. Uh, Then Genesis was just a jumbled mess of, like, the first three films. Like, they try to rehash that timeline all into one film, and it was just like, oh my gosh, this this is kind of a mess. Yeah, I I haven't seen any of the more recent ones like Genesis um, or Dark Fate. Uh, I definitely heard about the reviews and, and, you know... Uh, the the opinions are generally it's not great um no no (laughs) yeah i think i kind of agree with you i think the whole time travel thing is a bit overdone i mean that's the basis of the terminator franchise i will say but i think they you know gone up to terminator 2 right judgment day and then after that probably should have gone to the future see the war happen and then whatever happened there i mean that should have been it. Like, there's only so much you can do before it gets repetitive, which is what it is now. It's like the same thing, yeah. practically. Um, and I've, I've heard this thing, like, they keep trying to do the the true Terminator 3, you know, like the true sequel to Judgment Day. Like, I think that's what Genesis was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's what they said. They're like, this is the true sequel to Judgment Day. And then everyone hated it. And then now this was supposed to be the true sequel to Judgment Day. And... A lot of people hate it. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with this film, with for this franchise now, is because for me, it, it it's Terminator, I think it's called Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. It follows John Connor, Sarah Connor died of leukemia. I think that's, that's what the story was. She died of leukemia, and then he goes forward, right? And then for me, Genesis is a sequel to Salvation, not only because how the movies came out in order, but also just in terms of how the story kind of played out. Uh, it's a big twist uh, with what happens with with John in that movie, um, but this idea now of James Cameron being the lead producer, like he's a little bit more hands on than he has been in recent films. He's like, yeah, this is going to be a direct sequel to T two. Completely disregard the other movies, and I'm like, seriously, now you're going to make this even more confusing, you know, like. I grew up with the movies. I know that I could differentiate it in my mind, but now it's like you technically are now creating two different timelines, literally one with Sarah Connor dead and one with Sarah Connor alive. And for me, I don't like that. Like it's just now the story's even more convoluted more so than what Genesis did. And no, and then you're trying to still go back in time. It's super, super convoluted at this point. Yeah, and I, I would like to see them get away from like John Connor, right? Like we've seen enough. I know like he's the main hero of the the people and whatnot, but like I think overall like that story arc with with that character and like that group of people, right? Mm-hmm. Like Sarah Connor, right? Like that group of people, I think we've seen their story. If we're going to do anything else in Terminator, let's go see someone else. Like let's go into the the war, right? The, the 
war has happened, right? The machines have taken over. Let's see that. Let's see that transition. Let's see like as it happens, you know, like that trend, that order 66, you know, transition point yeah. into the, the war, but not from their perspective, from someone else's perspective, because we've seen enough of that. You know, I, I, I kind of disagree with you on that because John Connor has been such a focal point in the story. Like for me, I would need to see the films from start to finish around the Connor family, specifically with John Connor. And if Christian Bale would have kept playing the character, I would have loved to see what happens at the very end. Even though we know what's going to happen, humanity survives. But I still want to see it. I, I want to see the struggles, right? Uh, but maybe that's why they don't want to go into the war because they already reveal that yeah humanity survives but what are the challenges they need to overcome to get to that point right. that's what i want to see what's that journey to get to that point yeah because i think what they did with do you mind if i do a little bit of spoiler Go for big it. spoiler for genesis and dark fate spoiler for genesis Spoil and dark fate spoiler alert S spoiler alert okay genesis um so at the very start of the movie and they do a little bit of a retcon in the series um so john connor finds his dad, Kyle Reese, in a sewer, like, as a kid, and he raises him. Well, in Salvation, John Connor finds Kyle Reese as, basically, as a teenager. Clearly, different age gap. Like, it, it, that's not that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, so, anyway, Genesis, um, they find the time machine, and they had just missed the machine going back in time. Um, and so, then, that's when Kyle Reese says, I'll go, as he's supposed to. Well, Kyle Reese goes... Oh, now this thing's moving on me. Um, sorry, folks. So he goes in, and he goes in the machine, but then he notices something off. There's a character in the crowd of soldiers. He literally attacks John Connor. Oh, damn it. This thing. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Yeah. Can I just hold it? Sorry, guys. I think I, I have the same problem with... Um, like the Terminator franchise that I do with Star Wars, which is like, I want to get away from the characters that we've seen for years. You know, mm -hmm. like I want to get away from the Skywalkers. I want to get away from, you know, Luke, Leia, and Han because they keep trying to do stuff with them. Mm -hmm. um, or I guess, you know, with this new trilogy, it's not like they keep trying, but, um, you know, they're trying to hold on to these characters and it's like, okay, let's see some new stuff. It's a big galaxy. It's a big world. Let's see more people. Right. Let's see those other stories because otherwise we kind of keep getting this same, same thing because the characters almost never change. You know. So. Well, I think that again with with Genesis, what they end up trying to do. So they, this character attacks John, and what's never revealed in the original storyline, what was founded by by James Cameron, like John Lauder, John Connor leads the resistance, saves humanity. Right. Well, this this machine actually it's a Terminator attacks John. And starts messing with basically his genetic structure. By the by, midway through the movie, it's revealed that John was sent again back in back in time himself, sent back in time, and now he is a new Terminator. Like now he is trying to kill basically his his like former mother and Kyle and whatnot. So that was like the biggest thing. But that was that was. Uh, that was revealed in the trailer, and I hate when trailers do this. You you reveal the biggest plot points in a, in a trailer like no don't do that but anyway so that was the biggest thing in genesis and dark fate i was really looking forward to this movie because it was arnold schwarzenegger linda hamilton that plays sarah connor and i forgot the guy's name but the guy that played john connor in terminator 2 they bring him back he's been out of the spotlight for years 
And I was just like, oh, cool. They're bringing back the original kid. Cool. Like, I'm all for that. Apparently, John Connor dies in the movie, like early on in the movie. They kill him off. And so now it's just Sarah Connor, this new Terminator, and this little girl. I have no idea who the girl is because I haven't seen the movie. But I'm just like, seriously? You spent like 30 years promoting this big character and you just kill him off? It's kind of like Game of Thrones. You spent eight seasons of making the Night King and the Night Walkers like this big deal and it's just anticlimactic at the very end. That will, That's what really pissed me off when I heard it. I thought you were going to go like, it's like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> oh, like they just kill him off the Let's kill end. him off. Well, they kill him off, but apparently it's early in the movie. Like, they kill him off very early. So, I'm like, so you spend all this promotion to bring back this main kid, and you don't even give him that much time on the screen? I don't know how much it is, but it's just like, seriously? What a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, that's, they just <clears throat> they just feel to me like they're really dumb action movies, and I'm, I, I hope I don't offend anyone when I say that, but it's they're like... I look at the trailers and I'm like, I'm not interested at the plot at all. It, there's some cool action stuff, killer robots and whatnot, but there's no, it just seems like another movie with a ton of explosions and mm-hmm. action scenes and whatnot. And, you know, I just, yeah, it's just not my thing. And yeah, as we have discussed, the franchise has just been going downhill and apparently has not recovered. Yeah, I, I don't think this, this franchise is going to recover after this one. And um, maybe if, if you give it about a decade or so. And then you're like, let's reboot the franchise. Maybe like a fresh reboot and give a whole new take. Maybe a new generation of audiences will like it. But I don't think this franchise is ever going to recover. And that's kind of sad because it's one of a few that's come out in recent years where it's like they, they're trying to do more things with it, but it's not really hitting audiences like the Alien franchise, the Predator franchise. There's a lot of cool lore in these movies, but like take the time to really try to flesh them out and... Granted, we're not in the movie industry, but I feel like these movies could have been done a lot better over over time. But, oh well. Yeah, they've just been trying to milk them for as much as they can and creating like 25 different Terminator types, you know, that are kind of the same as each other, but kind of different. You know, it's like, I don't know. That's just my opinion on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on then from that, um, there was an article sent to me by one of our good friends, Kyle, Kyle Lowe. Um, and it's about the, the fact that I think it was, I think it was Bob Iger. I'm going to say Bob Iger or Kevin Feige. One of them uh, said that if you want to completely understand everything in Marvel films moving forward, you're going to need to watch this stuff on Disney+. Plus. And I want to know what you, how you feel about that. Like the the fact that you essentially have to pay for the service to understand everything, you know. So I think he's saying it as a main, as a, as a way to get audiences to to invest in Disney Plus, because the TV shows by the marketing, it looks like those shows are going to be a big hit. The Mandalorian is getting a lot of positive like feedback in terms of like Star Wars fans and general audiences when Obi-Wan was revealed people freaked out you know uh, in a positive way um, and then now the Cassian series is also in development you know that that's really cool you know that that these that these shows will play integrate or integral part in the movies 
But I think at the same time, it kind of sucks because not everyone has time to engulf themselves in everything Star Wars. Like me, I really haven't read any of the books recently. I stopped reading the comic books as much as I want to read them. I just don't have the time to read everything. Those comic books come out like almost on a weekly basis and not just one, like two or three. And, you know, people don't have the money to spend all this stuff. And it's just like, oh, I need to read this book to understand this reference. It's cool. It's a little bit of an Easter egg if you understand it, you know, like uh, like episode seven when Kylo Ren says, oh, well, maybe the Supreme Leader should invest in a clone army. You know, that's a call back to the Clone Wars. And if you hadn't, if you've seen it, great. You understand the reference. If not, then it's not going to kill you. Same way as Luke Skywalker says, oh, you fought in the Clone Wars to Obi-Wan. Again, it's a call back to the prequel trilogy. Um I don't know. I, I think it's just asking a lot of audiences to invest even more time and money, which is kind of unfair. But from a business standpoint, yeah, you got to market it the way any way you can. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, you won't know anything if you don't watch everything on Disney+. Plus. Right. I think it's going to be kind of smaller things. It's actually going to be like my experience with Marvel because I have not seen, even to this day, I have not seen every... Uh, Marvel film that's come out every you know one of the, the main Infinity Saga films um, so it's like I had to understand things just by like piecing it together from you know the movies that I have seen mm-hmm. um, and so there, there's bits and like references that I'm missing like I have not seen Thor I've not seen Thor at all the original I've not seen the original Thor oh wow um, I, I, I've seen like bits and pieces of Dark Dark World mm-hmm. yeah uh, whatever um so like thor like his character i've kind of just pieced together from the avengers films and um like civil war and and then you know uh like an and i guess spoilers for Endgame. um the when they go back to back in time right and they go to the asgard and mm-hmm. it's like oh i have no idea what's going on i know this relates to one of the films i can kind of piece together what's happened here but you know, it was it wasn't a big hindrance on me. You know, I still kind of got the basic plot of uh, the movie that I was watching at the time. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Um, and it kind of it makes sense because they they said that they want stuff that happens in the films to affect what happens in the shows, and you know, vice versa. Um, so it, that that makes sense. But I think that initial thought of like, oh, I have to pay extra for this thing, you know, to to really get everything, it's a little shocking, you know. Yeah, and plus it's a big undertaking if you try to craft a story in such a way where it affects everything, at least on a little detail. Because, like, you definitely need a good team of storytellers, like the Star Wars group, you know, the storytelling group, uh, story group, whatever they're called. And that's their job to make sure everything makes sense, everything lines up. Uh, But that's a big undertaking. You know, like the Rebels series barely affects anything that happens in the movies, um, you know, if at all. Kind oh yeah, kinda. It, it's more on the sidelines as extra details. Like, you know, you have the main uh thing things happening to these main characters, but this whole side battle, like you don't really hear about it at all, obviously in the movies. Um but man, that that's a big undertaking. We really try to craft a story that way. Yeah. But I think it's cool. It's like, you know, so like the reason why I, I kind of like that fact is because um it's like the show that you're watching isn't meaningless right you're not just watching the show in a vacuum it's like oh yeah this big event that happened in the show affects 
the movies. So like, you know, in the next big, you know, Avengers movie or whatever, you're like, oh, that thing that happened a while ago in that one show. Yeah, it actually affected like what's happening here. So in fact, I think it gives you more value for Disney Plus. So it kind of sucks if you don't have it. But if you do have it, you do get a lot of value there, right? Yeah, I mean, you see something actually similar because you, because um, remember after the first Avengers film came out, they announced, oh, we're gonna have Agents of Shield on ABC Thirty, and it takes place like right after it. What What was cool was that it still played an integral part, or no, not an integral part. It It took place in the same universe, obviously, with these characters. But what the characters did was never referenced in the movies. But what happened in the movies? obviously was referenced in the show so it's like it, it wasn't a, necess- a necessity to watch the show but it was cool it's like oh this happened or this is now this episode is now revolving around thor the dark world uh blah blah blah, blah. Uh, captain america wearing a soldier when like shield and hydra go down like that affects the show obviously in, in, in big proportions uh so it, it's cool like it does play a part but i don't know i i feel like he's a little bit exaggerating yeah cool um random thing just because random topics right this is totally moving away from what we were just talking about and anything movie related um uh i do you, are you familiar with the beyond burger dom beyond burger no oh man you do live in a vacuum <laughs> you're worse than me oh okay so the beyond burger is basically uh, a plant-based burger um it is part of a large uh attempt to make uh, plant-based meat basically that mimics actual meat mm-hmm. so from the how you cook it to the look of it to the taste of it to the texture of it to uh how it reacts there's another one called the impossible burger uh which like is supposed to i believe it's the impossible burger that one's supposed to bleed you know like it has like red fluid that mimics blood basically mm-hmm. so it's kind of an attempt kind of part of the climate change stuff also part it's of a synthetic just, burger basically right uh, it's one of the many ways that they're trying to create synthetic meat. Like one of the ways, Dom, they're trying to create synthetic meat uh, is simply by growing it in a lab. That's there's your tidbit for you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you you seem very very unimpressed by this so far. Uh, I don't know. Like, call me old fashioned, but I when people start telling me like, oh, create a a meatless burger, you know, it uh, save the animals. My argument always goes back to humans have been eating animals since the dawn of time. Animals have been eating animals since the dawn of time. I think, though, the bigger argument is not necessarily about the morality of eating the animal, but more so the the conditions that they're kept in um, up until the fact uh, up until their slaughter. You know, and, and then- that's a terrible thing. I totally get that. I've I've seen some footage actually back in college about it in a class, and I was just like, "What the fuck? This is terrible." Um, and then actually had a friend tell me like, oh, you think it's terrible you start eating meat? And I literally said, no, I, I can't do anything to stop that. I'm just one person. You know, I, I can't do anything to stop that. Should the conditions be changed? Of course. But if people are not rallying to go for it, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. You know, forcibly change the conditions, even the, like the chickens in tight cages. Uh, also, that's really terrible. But the meat industry isn't going to go away. It's not. Unless the whole, uh, there's a whole apocalypse and everything shuts down. That's the worst case scenario. That's, so that's when that's going to stop. But, um, y- yeah, it's, 
it's a very complicated thing. People are probably hating me right now for saying this, but y- you know, it's your opinion. It, it's it's my opinion, yeah. And is it's terrible? Yes, am I gonna do anything about it? No. What more else can I do that hasn't happened already to try to change it? Part of it too is is a it's a, a climate change issue. Um, so basically, with one, there's this sounds kind of dumb, but hear me out. It's the the methane from the um, manure, right? The manure, right? Yeah. Uh, from from the cows. When you have that many cows all together and just all over the world, right? Like that's a lot of methane, and that's that's a real thing, you know. Um, and so that affects climate change, but also like just the processing of the meat, like you know the factories and everything. Which yes. Uh, plant-based burgers do also generate fossil fuels just from the uh, the production of um, the, the the plant-based stuff. So I'm not saying that like plant-based is like the the be-all end-all solution, but that those are some of the reasons, right? Like this is becoming really popular now. Um, so uh, we went to to Yard House, my uh, lovely fiance and I. We went to Yard House last night, and um, they they have not only do they have the Beyond Burger, which is like a, a completely vegan you know burger um they let you substitute any other burger with the beyond patty mm-hmm. so i i did that because i I still you know want my normal cheese because i'm weak um and yeah so I, I had the beyond burger and i want to give my thoughts on the beyond burger now i have tried the beyond burger in little bits before like uh my fiance would get one right and i would just like take a little nibble and take a piece uh tastes and and feels and everything is really important to me right because i don't have a ton of toppings um and so the texture was just a little off for me like it just wasn't as as consistent as ground beef is you know Mm -hmm. um overall i would totally recommend it if you're someone who likes to pile on like lettuce cheese onions tomatoes pickles and you know you have sauce and everything on there like if that's how you eat your burger if you're like most people in the world i would recommend it absolutely give it a try and you probably won't notice those texture inconsistencies because the flavor is fine the flavor is pretty okay there's like a slight aftertaste that's a little weird but overall uh it's, you would try it again yeah um, I don't think I would order it again, like I said, just because of those texture inconsistencies. If they update the recipe or like how they, they make it and kind of change that texture, I might go for it again. Yeah. But um, I, I'm just curious of like the health uh, factors. Like, 
yeah, it's supposed to be healthier and, you know, help with some of those like climate change issues and things like that. But I'm just curious of like how it affects the human body in the long run because it's basically a synthetic burger. Yes, it's plant-based, but I'm just like, how how does it affect the human at, at uh, on the mineral level you so know, in the long term? from what I understand, it's not really any healthier than a standard beef burger, right? It's about as healthy as a, a normal burger is. Um, but there's... Um, I mean, it essentially just comes down to like the nutrients, right, that you get out of it. So, like, yeah. what what nutrients are in uh, beef that we can get into, you know, this synthetic patty, and then there you go. I will say I would also be for growing meat, like I said earlier, which is such a weird thing to say. Yeah. But you know, lab grown meat versus like just killing an animal, which I mean, I don't care as much, you know, about that. But if there's an alternative, I will go for it, you know. Um, I kind of have a theory about the future. Mm. So about these, like, fake meats. Because they're starting to sell... Beyond Meat, I believe, already sells their meat products uh, in some supermarkets. You can get them. And then Impossible, which is that other one that I mentioned, is also doing the same thing. They recently got um, kind of approval by... The, I think it's the FDA to, to do that. Yeah. Um, I almost think that we may get to the point to where plant-based meat is the norm and you have to pay a little bit extra to get real meat. Like that's a premium, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's like eventually the plant-based stuff, because right now the plant-based stuff is like, like I had to pay $2 extra to get that patty, you know, Mm -hmm. it was an an upcharge. But eventually as the technology, um, as the industry grows and the technology to create it either gets cheaper or just, you know, there's more of it, mm-hmm. um, that stuff will get cheaper and then it'll probably equal out and then maybe one day we'll, it'll get cheaper than uh, normal meat. This is a weird rant, but it's just something I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. It's kind of like... It's cool stuff to me, personally. Yeah, you know, I actually do agree with you. Again, going back to the idea of a generational thing, you know, the, especially our generation, it's really trying to, you know, tackle the climate change issue. You know, there's, a, you know, veganism is a growing thing. Uh, going plant-based, I can see it definitely being a growing thing. And at some point, it may very well turn into that. Um, you know, or if the animal industry becomes a lot more cleaner in terms of morality great you know um but i i see that that could be an option down down the road where things will get potentially better at least in the food um but it's a it's a very bureaucratic industry uh well as with most things yes yeah um like to me it kind of comes down to if there's a meat alternative that uh it tastes like meat it looks like meat like every like you cannot tell the difference um about people them won't care. then yeah then people won't care and i won't care i will take the other option you know just because of all the at that point if the production is cleaner you know the burger is not any le- uh, less healthy than a normal burger right or meat product if we're going beyond just burgers at that point, the only thing really there, and, and the cost is the same, is um, the morality of real meat versus uh, synthetic, we'll just say, meat. Mm. And at which point, I mean, then yeah, go for the synthetic stuff. Because then if everything else is the same, and the only thing there is the moral part of it, which is such a weird thing to consider. But 
why not you know like why not it's kind of my stance on it um but no no just it's interesting stuff well i'm glad you got some uh positive experiences out of that burger i did uh but i also like i said i'm not gonna get it again <laughs> <laughs> it's like no it's a little t- tastes a little fun, uh weird in the texture <laughs> yeah it's it's weird to explain like ground beef is so i don't i don't know if smooth's the right word but it's um just consistency it, it's just consistency yeah there's like yeah that's the best thing i can say mm. um yeah what about you dom what do you, what, what do you got what do you got up your sleeve huh what's your next topic my next topic you said you want to talk about an article oh i did yes um so this article came out uh the other day and it was out on facebook by alert science i think it was uh pulling it up right now oh no yeah sciencealert.com i can't verify the validity of this uh article i've never heard of it before so i guess take it with a grain of salt but i think it's kind of cool though in terms of just thinking about this idea so the headline reads nasa scientist shows dinosaurs roamed earth on the other side of the milky way uh instead of going to like really reading into this article basically this uh scientist where was it uh let's see the start of it says when dinosaurs ruled the earth the planet was on a completely different side of the galaxy a new animation by NASA scientist Jesse Christensen shows just how long the dinosaurs' reign lasted and how short the era of humans has been in comparison by tracing our solar system's movement through the Milky Way. Um, the sun orbits the galaxy's center, completing its rotation every 250 million years or so. So the animation shows that the last time our solar system was at its current point right now, was in full swing during the Triassic period when dinosaurs were just beginning to emerge. So I think that's just a super cool thing to just put into perspective. Like we have now reached a point that dinosaurs were were in, like just full swing, like the article said. And it's just kind of like retracing history almost. And it actually goes down. It's She said it's basically archaeology, paleontology, and some other area of science where they actually all overlap fairly evenly. Uh but yeah, just an interesting tidbit of, of knowledge that I just wanted to share. It just came up on my feed. Um, and basically, she puts it together in this PowerPoint presentation. And to kind of put more into perspective of like how long humans have been around, in, let's say just Earth's history. So Earth has been around roughly about 14.2 billion years. And in terms of how long humans have been around and... It's zero, if I remember the numbers correctly, like I said, this is a class I took at uh, in college. It was 0.00001% of Earth's history that humans have been around. So we're only just a, not even a fraction of, of, of Earth's life. And we've taken over! Yes, and now look what we're doing. We Did we done put the Earth in a bad climate change? I uh, want to put a, not throw a wrench in your, your thing, but bring up a kind of a thought all right so we're in the same area in the milky way as the dinosaurs were um so does that mean that we're we're due in the next few million years to get hit by a huge asteroid like are we in that sector of the milky way where it's like an asteroid's coming around been like 
I didn't get my chance last time, but oh baby, now now's my <laughs> chance. <laughs> that would suck. Um, that would it would, be- but we'd all be dead. So. Yeah, yeah, it was just like right, right in the blink of an eye. Um, actually, did did you ever hear where that asteroid impact was? Uh, where they found it? That one for, uh, that hit the dinosaurs. I didn't know it was ever like found. I thought. No, go for it. Uh, so I had learned again when I, when I was a geology minor that I think it's the Yucatan Peninsula. Basically, it's this big peninsula out in, in Mexico. Um, basically, like this whole the theory of an asteroid hitting Earth. They said basically the size that would really need to impact the Earth to affect the planet the way it did would have to be roughly about this this size. And I f- uh, basically if I remember correctly. Around World War II, when like the whole like sonar technology was invented, they they used scientists had used that data and they tracked it to this huge crater that that's off of, in in the ocean off of Mexico, and there's all these mineral mineral particles that were only ever found on asteroids, but the impact was consistent of like okay, if the asteroid was going to come in, let's say this kind of trajectory hitting down. The particles will often go in the opposite direction, and that basically make a long story short and a complicated story short. The size of the crater, the mineral particles that were consistently found for so many miles, fit the bill of of the asteroid. So the asteroid that hit Earth is in is in Mexico. The weird thing about the asteroid is like to to think about the fact that it wasn't the single impact that wiped everything out. It was a long process, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like. The asteroid hit everything in that area and, you know, many, many, many miles away just got incinerated instantly, you know. Mm -hmm. But then the long-term effects are just um, essentially similar to, like, a nuclear winter, you know, where it's like the there's just ash in the sky, so it gets freezing cold, right? Mm -hmm. So plants die, so the uh, herbivores die. And then since all of them are dead, all the omnivores, or not omnivores, um, carnivores, you know they've got nothing to eat, and so they're either going to fight each other, mm-hmm. and but then they die because they're out of food. It's like this long process of essentially starvation. Yeah, right. That I think, from what I understand, I'm not, I'm not like you, Dom. I'm not a, a arch- you were archaeology hit? major, yeah. major, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know as much about dinosaurs, but that's, that's paleontology. Okay, well, you know what? It's about shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I- you were going to correct me because I knew I was wrong. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing that it wasn't just, it's it's a long process. So what, what if we're in that, obviously that same asteroid can't come and hit us. It's not like it's going to make a round trip because that, it it already hit us, but no, but it's kind of scary though, because we do, you know, NASA always says like, Oh, like this one asteroid, you can see it during the day. You know, it's Mm going to come by tomorrow, like at 1130 or whatever, like just how close they come by. Well, yeah, they come by really close and then they come, I think they come closer like every time. You know, it's because it's all just like in an ellipse pattern. And so it's like if it misses us one time, next time, if it's really close, it may come back around because it will come back around. Yeah. You know, and and who knows? It is a scary thought. Um, I've always like thought about the idea or the fact that, um, you know, NASA's they're always like, no, no, there's nothing like we've scanned. Like we know all of the major asteroids, all the ones that are a threat to us, like we're not in any danger. And I'm always like. Yeah, but would you really tell us? Right. Would you really For national tell? security purposes? For national security purposes, would you really? I don't think, I think they would tell us right before it hit. You know, like, oh yeah, uh, in the next hour, 
maybe, you know, we're all going to die. So just be ready, you know. <laughs> say goodbye to your friends and family. Say, say, say goodbye. Look up at the sky. You're not going to see it. I mean, it's going to hit like when you blink and then you're gone. Yeah. You know, it's the same. That's scary. That's so scary. It's the same thing with. Um, oh, don't even talk about Yosemite then. <laughs> well, yeah. Or, or, or no, Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, uh, with ICBMs, it's like you, if you're hit by an ICBM, you don't see it coming. You wouldn't know. You, it would hit you before you know about it. An ICBM? Uh, intercon- intercontinental ballistic missile. So basically like North Korea, right? How that that was, it, I guess still is, but definitely you know, last year it was a big, big deal about them testing missiles and whatnot. That basically like yeah. they could shoot a missile from you know their country over to wherever uh, to another country and then uh this you know city that's affected essentially wouldn't wouldn't know like it just it's moving so fast that mm-hmm. you don't see it coming you know just it's so freaky like how all of these mass extinction devices you can't prepare for yeah. and you don't know and you wouldn't know you would just be gone you know which is also slightly comforting <laughs> because you just there'd be no fear you'd just be gone Blink. It's like, whoa, I'm in heaven. No, you're in hell. (laughs) You're in hell. Oh, man. I don't know. That's the things that keep me up at night. Man, I I read an article about Yellowstone the other week. Uh, Basically, it's overdue for an eruption. Let's just say that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like San Andreas' fault. It's like, yeah, it's, you know, the cycles are typically this long, and it's like, I don't know, 100 years over that typical cycle. So, any day now yeah and i've seen like the um i think that they made a map of like areas that it would affect it's like yeah the immediate area you're gone areas a little farther than that like our area we would be um definitely affected i don't know how but i don't think we'd all die but we would be there would be ash everywhere like the sun would be completely blocked out where we are you know talking about with yellowstone yeah oh okay yeah like it and then all the ash and everything because of the winds are going to go towards uh, like Washington D.C. right, and so I mean the entire it's a worldwide event. Like if Yellowstone ever blows, it's it's going to be a big thing. Not to scare anyone, you know. I mean it's yeah. There's no si- signs right now. I don't think. Well, again, no. Basically, we put us in a nuclear winter because that's how far the ash would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then apparently it's only 72 hours that humans would have a food that was oh, like, like before we run out because everything's dead yeah yeah i don't know uh elon musk better get on that uh that space train to mars because um i will take that ticket well <laughs> if yellowstone's about to blow. And that's why I was always like an advocate for like, you know, yeah, try send humans to Mars, you know, start going to the whole space exploration. Not to go down a rabbit hole because we are basically out of time. But um, yeah, I think if anything, like maybe living on Mars isn't really feasible, but the getting there and being able to get there is a good test of what we can do. Right. It's a good experiment, albeit a very expensive experiment, I'm aware, but still a good measure of the future right of, yeah. of what we might be able to do of some of these other like some of the moons right of saturn or um, jupiter i think it's like oh yeah like they have water they might have water 
you know, it's like, well, maybe that's a good place to, to try and go to or just, I don't know, man. We need some, uh, shoot, what was that movie called? Interstellar. We need some of Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. And where, where's our wormhole? I want to I want to know where the wormhole is. It's black holes, man. Yeah. I'm calling it. It's black holes. Black holes. Uh, speaking of black holes, we're about to enter one because that's it for this episode of the podcast. This is the worst segue ever. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for watching. We're um, still experimenting with stuff as always, and especially with time frame stuff. So don't know if we'll be back next week, probably the week after. Um, we're going to try and keep it weekly whenever we can, but we we don't guarantee anything. I'm pretty sure that's known at this point. We're going to try and be better with social media. We're, we're, we're both tackling it, starting to. Uh, so be on the lookout for us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Right? Yeah, and you can, well, not Facebook. No, we're not on Facebook um maybe at some point but okay. not currently um and if you ever want to find us on those platforms you can uh follow us at digital century c that's the same handle on all of our uh i love how you always point to it uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the same handle on all of our social media platforms that we are on currently but that's gonna be it uh dom you wanted to read a facebook post at the beginning of this, do you still have it? Because I, I never segued you into it. So. Yeah, so try to put a positive spin on this whole dramatic, you know, end of the world scenario. <laughs> I found uh, that one of my friends shared on Facebook. Uh, shoot, where is it? Where is it? Give me a moment. Give me a moment. One Almost moment. finding it. It's a quote. Okay. Uh, a girl who caught me looking at her very toned legs in jeans. This is not me, people. Okay, this is what I just found on social media. Just a little quote. A uh, girl who caught me looking at her very toned legs and jeans. Her. What you looking at? Me. Sorry, your legs look great in those jeans. You should see me without them. Why would you take off your legs? <laughs> I'm glad that didn't go where I thought it was going. So good on you. <laughs> nice. All right. That was my first time hearing it. That was a good one. All right. We'll, we'll try and uh, keep that going as a as a theme in the podcast. But that's gonna be it, everybody. Thank you. Have a good have a good rest of your day because it's the morning now, so we don't have to say good night. Have a good have a good noon because it's almost noon. Have a good noon and have a good afternoon and afternoon and evening. We'll see you guys next time.